I remember the day I really understood the FedEx logo. I'd seen the FedEx logo hundreds, nay, thousands of times. But the day I really saw it, my life was changed. And I'm going to change your life forever too. Because right there, in the middle of that E and that X, there's an arrow. Because FedEx moves you forward. It gets you where you need to go. I got to admit though, I don't get stuff delivered via FedEx. I'm an Amazon guy. And nothing makes me smile more than when I get my Amazon shipment. Two-day prime? Come on. And it's right there in the logo. But did you know that smile is not just a smile? It tells you something about Amazon. It tells you why you love Amazon. Because I can get anything on Amazon. Amazon has everything from A to Z. And it's right there in the logo. And now that you've seen it, you will never be able to unsee it. You ever get hungry and reach for a bag of chips and some guac? Nothing like it. But the Tostitos logo always makes me a little bit hungrier because there's two people right in the middle enjoying some chips and salsa right there with you. And now that you've seen it, you will never be able to unsee it. There are things that once they're brought to our attention, they never go out of their mind. And today I'm going to share with you something that you will never be able to unsee. And it will impact the way you look at your organization, your parish, your apostolate, your business forever. So be warned. If you don't want to live in this new truth, you should just probably stop paying attention right now. Now here's the thing. If you've looked at your organization, your business, your parish, and you've thought, I'm not getting the results that I want. I'm not getting the kind of fruit that we would like to see. You've probably tried to remedy that. Training. We'll do more training. We'll buy a new product. We'll engage a new service. We'll get consulting. We'll bring in the experts. But all of these things are just putting paint over a broken wall. We know in our guts there's something else going on. The truth is, if you're not bearing the fruit you want, you've got to look at what is producing that fruit. Now, a wise person once said that a rotten tree can't bear good fruit. And if that was just a philosopher, we could chalk that up to some good business advice, I suppose. But it was Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, so those words hold a little bit more weight. Jesus said that a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a rotten tree bear good fruit. If we're not getting the kind of fruit we want, we have to look at what's producing it, and that's our people. But assessing people is hard. I mean, we like people. We work with people. In a parish, we want to be nice to people. So how do we assess people and figure out why we're bearing bad fruit? And that's where this comes in. The thing you will no longer be able to unsee. And it looks like a square. But it's more than a square. It's a window, a lens. And I promise you, you will view everything through this lens from now on. But we've got to add to it. Now, on your x-axis, that's the one that runs along the bottom for those of us rusty on our algebra. That's mission and cultural buy-in. And on the y-axis, running from the bottom to the top, that's influence that somebody has in an organization. And it goes from low to high, left to right, and low to high, bottom to top. Now, here's what I would like you to do. Think about your organization, parish, business, apostolate. 
And I want you to imagine all of the people who work there as dots and chart them on this square. Make sure you put yourself there too. Make sure you put your boss there too. Where do they fall as far as how they buy into mission and culture and how they buy in to your vision? How much influence do they have with people within the organization? Imagine it in your mind's eye. Now I've charted some out here and any resemblance to people I actually know is purely coincidental. But I think this is about average for a lot of places. And again, you look at the dots and maybe it doesn't look like much yet. But let's divide it into some quadrants. Now we're going to start to learn something about the people in our organization. Let's start with this upper right hand quadrant and let's go even a little bit further to the upper right hand of the upper right hand. These are leaders. These are people who have a high mission and culture buy-in and high influence. But here's the thing with a leader. They just don't buy in to the vision and the mission. They embody it. They balance attention between positional power. The CEO has power. But just wielding positional power doesn't always get results. So they have the humility to balance that power with personal power, influence, persuasion. We follow people who don't just tell us what to do, but inspire us with what we ought to do. They're empathetic. They're humble. They're effective communicators throughout the organization and they're future focused. They tell us where we need to go. They're always looking ahead because this next group of people are keeping us focused on the now. These are leaders too, but they're managers. So these are folks who live out the mission by maintaining and improving processes. They're coaches. They're in there with the team, though, doing the work at the ground level, but also making sure people stay focused on the present. They don't have the same kind of positional authority, but they do know how to use persuasion to influence laterally, upward, and downward. That makes them really good translators. Middle management has some of the toughest jobs in any company, but the people who can do it effectively fall here and they're focused on now. We need people like that. Just below that in the lower right-hand corner, we have enablers. These are the people who get the work done. These folks support the mission. Their power comes from their expertise. They're experts in their skill set. They execute on a project basis and they communicate upwards so that leadership knows what's going on at the ground level. These are great people to have in an organization. Those people like them in this lower left-hand corner, but they're different. They're squatters. These are folks who are just kind of hanging on. They don't buy into the mission of the organization. Their mission is to keep their job. They have an antiquated skill set that ran out long ago, but their power lies in information. We usually keep these people around because they manage some process, some product, some thing of which only they know how to do. They're fearful. They don't communicate well because they want to hoard information. These are the folks who are focused on the past. Well, we used to do it this way. Remember back when? Always looking backwards and never forwards. And they sit sometimes on very important positions. Now in this upper left-hand corner, we have folks that are subversive. And I need to just say that you may have charted yourself up in this corner. And that doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're a toxic person. But it does mean that you may be opposed to the mission of your company. These are not scary people. Sometimes they can be manipulative, but these people buy into the mission of me. And that doesn't mean it's necessarily self-serving. It just means the mission I've made up. 
They're powerful people, usually with great expertise, charisma, relational power. That's why they have such a high level of influence. But they're focused on a silo. You might hear these individuals say things like, uh, you know, my team is what makes this organization run. Without me, this parish wouldn't be successful. Our team is the most important. It's focused on a silo, not the big vision. Now, when you look at all of these things together, this is the thing that will change the way you view your organization. Because I can tell you something about your organization based on your chart and your spread. This is an average organization. We feel a little bit of tension here. We're spread out all over. Most places probably look like this, all things considered. There are some people in the mission of me. Some people have been here a little too long. Some people with great skill sets and some leaders and some managers. But sometimes the spread looks a little bit different. Sometimes it looks like this. We've got a bunch of people who are squatting on positions, who are hanging on, and we have a bunch of people who have great skill sets, but there's no leadership here. We would say maybe this organization is treading water, but you and I both know that nobody really treads water, right? You're actually drowning. I mean, look at where all those things are spread out on the chart. They're at the bottom, weighing everything down. An organization like this cannot innovate. They don't have the means or the vision to do something remarkable. If everything slants to the left side of the box, you're in a position where you're going to experience scandal. Maybe minor scandal just in the fact that healthy people don't stay in an organization like this. But maybe major scandal. There's a lot of people who are in it for themselves and a lot of people who are just trying to stay out of the way. Do you notice how few enablers and managers and no leaders exist in this spread? I can promise you that any organization that has experienced scandal looked something like this. People who turned a blind eye and people who thought it was all about them. An organization like this cannot serve other people because it's too busy serving itself. Maybe you've worked for an organization like this. Maybe you've worked for an organization like this where the leaders are lost in space. Do you see how they're just kind of drifting off that right-hand corner? We've got so many good ideas and we're going to change the world and we're inspired and we're all looking to the future and tripping over our own feet because there's nobody here who actually wants to do something about it. There's a fallacy that everybody should be a leader. Not everybody wants to be a leader. Some people want to just do their job and do it well. An organization that's lost in space cannot execute. This is where we want to be. An organization that's balanced, where there's leaders, there's managers that are providing the translation between leadership and our enablers who are doing the expert work necessary to execute. An organization like this innovates, serves well, and makes good on its promises. Wouldn't it be great if mission-based organizations in the church looked like this? How much more would we get done? Now, if your organization, parish, apostolate doesn't look like this, if you're not, I can tell you how to clean it up. Here's the first step. Define your culture and mission. Culture is an interesting thing. It develops even if we're not trying to develop it. Somebody is defining culture at your organization. If it's not the leadership, and that's who it should be, it's the employees. Maybe a subset of employees. Maybe your subversive or manipulative employees. 
You can't determine if people are aligned to your culture and your mission if you have not defined it. And let me tell you something about mission statements. We're really bad at them in the church. Because a lot of times they sound something like this. Uh, love God, love people, make disciples. And that sounds great for something I'd buy at a Hobby Lobby or a craft store. But it doesn't really tell an organization what to do. Define the mission. Who do you serve? Why do you serve? How do you serve? That type of focus helps you know who is in and who is out. And then you can detox. When we detox, it can sound cruel because I'm going to ask you to fire people. And letting people go doesn't feel nice. It's kind. If somebody's not aligned to your mission and your vision, if somebody's in a place where they're becoming subversive or toxic or manipulative, you are going to do the right thing by moving them out. They'll find a better job that's more aligned to where they are. And to bring a spiritual dimension into it, if somebody's becoming toxic or subversive in your organization, you are putting them in the near occasion of sin. And as a leader, you will be culpable for their holiness. Don't allow them to remain for your mission and for their sake. Move them on with kindness. They will find something better. Approach the squatters, and maybe there's a way you can train them up, but maybe they're not interested in that. Invite them to move on and allow them to move on. This might mean you have to suspend some services for a while. It might mean pruning and taking a short reduction. The short-term pain is worth the long-term growth. Because if you are an organization that is not able to serve the mission, ultimately, it will be a slow death, but it will be a death. And once you've detoxed, chase humility. Humble leaders are the best leaders. This has been empirically shown time and time again. It's not a pie-in-the-sky concept or a theory. Humility wins the day. Now, you charted yourself on that square as well. And maybe you are the leader of an organization, the pastor, the CEO, and you found yourself actually in that enabler role where you charted yourself in the manager role. Do you have the humility to recognize that? Maybe you charted somebody who doesn't have a leadership title in that leadership box. There are people at your organization who embody the mission and the vision. You know who they are. And they have a lot of influence. People listen to them. Those are people you need to identify. Because if they wield relational power without a title, that's a person you at least need at your leadership table. Maybe it means restructuring things at your parish so there's other people who have voices at that table to help the pastor along. Maybe it's looking at your organization as CEO or as CFO or COO and restructuring your table so that there's other voices there who are leaders. You need those people. Where did you chart yourself? And do you have the humility to make the right decisions? Because now you've seen the square. And you can't unsee it. You're going to view everything through this square. So you can no longer claim ignorance. Which means if you choose to ignore it, it won't be ignorance. It will be pride. And pride ultimately destroys the mission. It will be pride or it will be fear because I don't want to move people out because it would be uncomfortable. For who? For me. That's pride. It's putting ourselves above the mission, and in that moment, we will find ourselves in that subversive square. If we believe that the mission, the gospel, is not just a message, 
but the most important message that any person could ever hear on this earth, we would do well to allow nothing to stand in front of us. It is not enough to tread water. It is not enough to fail to innovate in a critical time. It is not enough to be self-serving. It is destructive to be self-serving. It is not enough to be able to have great ideas that just lay on the tablet that get thrown into the trash bin that never get done. We must innovate, serve, execute. And at the end of the day, I guess maybe our mission isn't all that different from FedEx. Nothing can stand in our way as we move forward. Thank you.